surgery, no indication of on-site stroke or myocardial infarction, nothing. As if they'd all simultaneously been put to sleep. That's what the official witness reports say, anyway. They're pretty consistent throughout. She gestured absently. It'll take a minute or two for processing to finish admitting this one. First thing we'll do is correlate data between patients for indications of other similarities so we can try and define some parameters. I'd be surprised if there weren't several. Her voice fell slightly. There'd better be. Halfway out the portal, the medtech hesitated. Viral or bacterial infection? Nothing that contradicts it, but it's much too early to say. Aware that he continued to linger, she looked up from her pad to meet his gaze. Concern was writ large there, and he was clearly looking for some sort of reassurance. At a guess, I'd say neither one. The zone of influence was too sharply circumscribed. Same goes for a narcoleptic gas, and there are no overt indicators that would indicate an airborne infectious agent. No elevated or reduced blood pressure, no respiratory problems, no dermatological indications, no dilated pupils, not so much as a rash or a reported sneezing fit. What then? He continued to hover in the doorway, more than casually curious. Again, it's too soon to say. Some kind of area-specific sonic projection, maybe, though there's no visible evidence of cochlear damage in any of the patients. Delineated flash hallucinogen, cerebroelectrical interrupt. There are numerous possibilities. Based on what I've read and seen so far, I'd say the event was a site-specific one-off, that no organic infectivity is involved. But that's a very preliminary assessment. With a grateful nod, the medtech departed. As the portal opaqued behind him, the doctor turned back to her patient. Other than being taller than average and discounting the presence of the alien pet, he appeared no different from any of the others who had been brought in. She knew results were expected fast. Having twenty-two customers suddenly drop unconscious in one's place of business was not good publicity for any enterprise. Fortunately for Rides' management, Everything had happened so quickly, and the local emergency teams had reacted rapidly enough that the local media had not yet found their way to the hospital. By the time they did, she and her fellow consulting physicians hoped to be ready with some answers. An attractive young man, she decided, with his red hair and olive-hued skin, tall, slim, and apparently healthy, if one discounted his current comatic condition, Wondering what color his eyes were, she guessed him to be somewhere in his early twenties. A universal command bracelet encircled one wrist, but there was no sign of whatever specially attuned devices it might control. Probably nothing more elaborate than a VIT player, she decided. If it contained usable ident and medical information, the medtech had failed to tap into it. Well, that could come later, following the initial diagnosis. The scanners would tell her everything she needed to know in order to prescribe treatment. On the bracelet, a single telltale glowed softly green, showing that it was active and not worn for decoration. Beneath the patient's shirt, a ropey shape shifted position. She did her best not to stare in its direction. She knew nothing about Alaspinian mini-drags beyond the little the medtech had just told her, as long as it did not interfere with her work, she had no irresistible desire to know more. She fidgeted impatiently, waiting on the scanners. Even though no serious trauma was involved, the sudden influx of comatose patients had momentarily overwhelmed the hospital's emergency staff. She was already restless to move on to the next patient. 
The preliminary readings began appearing on her pad as well as on the main monitor that projected from the wall. Both sets of readouts were identical, of course. Heart rate, hemoglobin content, white cell count, respiration, temperature. Everything was well within normal, accepted parameters. If anything, the readings were suggestive of an exceptionally healthy individual. Cerebral scans suggested that the patient was presently engaged in active dreaming. Neural activity levels indicated general brain scan indicative of... She frowned, checked her pad again. Her eyes rose to squint at the main monitor. It was already scrolling through a list of possible allergies and finding none. Manually interrupting the process, she used her pad to go back to the readout that had attracted her attention. It now appeared on both her pad and the monitor as a separate insert. The figures were wrong. They had to be wrong. So was the direct imaging. There had to be something the matter with this room's cerebral scanner. If its results had been a little off, she would have put it down to a calibration error. But the readouts were so far out of line that she was concerned they could potentially compromise patient treatment. For one thing, the parietal lobes, the parts of the brain responsible for handling visual and spatial tasks, appeared grossly swollen on the readouts. Since, according to the steadily lengthening list of benchmarks being provided by the instrumentation, there was no neurobiological basis for such extreme enlargement, it had to be a scanner error. However, that did not account for the exceptionally heightened blood flow to all parts of the patient's brain, nor for what appeared to be some completely unrecognizable enzymatic and electrical activity. Furthermore, although the frontal cortex was quite dense, its apparent normality was hardly in keeping with the contrasting readouts for other portions of the cerebellum. As for the neurons themselves, while many were perfectly normal, dense clusters of others scanned in certain parts of the brain were swollen so outrageously large and were so inundated with activity as to suggest a potentially fatal ongoing mutation. Potentially, because it was patently evident that the patient was still alive, Deeper probing soon discovered additional unnatural distortions, including what appeared to be scattered small tumors of a type and extensive neural integration she had not previously encountered, either in vivo or the medical literature. She was not prepared to go beyond initial observation to render a formal interpretation of what she was seeing. She was no specialist, and these readings cried out for one capable of properly analyzing them, that or a technician to repair and recalibrate the machine making the readings. She opted to seek the latter's advice first. Bad scans made more sense than neurobiological impossibilities. Take those distinctive tumors, for example. By rights, intrusive growths of such size and in such sensitive locations should have resulted in a serious degeneration of cognitive facilities or even death. Yet, all correlating scans indicated normal ongoing physiological activity. Of course, she couldn't be sure the patient was not an idiot until he woke up and started to respond. All she knew was that for a dumb, dead man, he appeared to be in excellent shape. The young man's situation demanded expert scrutiny. But first, she would have a tech check the instrumentation. If she went running for help without first having the hospital apparatus checked out, she would be the one considered the idiot. Certainly a respected neurologist like Cherevoyu would think so. Making sure to lock in and back up the absurd readings showing on her pad, 
She forwarded the necessary application for equipment inspection to engineering and maintenance. They would notify her when they had concluded the requested checkout. That done, she headed for the next patient-occupied room on her list. If the young man's vitals, currently stable and steady, showed any indication of changing for the worse, the machines in the chamber would respond appropriately and promptly alert the relevant staff. In the darkened healing chamber behind her, the figures and readouts on the main monitor grew ever more implausible. Measurement of dream activity increased beyond any and all established strictures. But then the subject of those particular instruments was not exactly dreaming. It was understandable that the instrumentation was confused because no instruments existed that were capable of taking the measure of precisely what was going on in the mind of the tall young man stretched out prone on the gurney. It was not ROM sleep, REM sleep, or anything else a sleep specialist would have recognized. Under his shirt, a unique, warm-blooded, snake-like creature writhed and twitched with the intensity of the shared empathetic contact. Flinks had company in the quasi-dream. His perception had been impelled outward before by the ever-enigmatic, ever-playful Ulru Ujurians. They were not in evidence this time, nor could he recognize what was accompanying him. It was a single mind but of a vastness and scope beyond anything he could identify. In some ways it was very childlike. In that respect it was not unlike the mind of an Ulru Jurian, but this was immeasurably more mature than the brilliant but juvenile inhabitants of that strange world. It bespoke an ancient lineage as complex as it was deliberate.